wait till it stops singing to give him a little taste. Well, remember, you got to get the beat right on this, so... Without you, if you only knew what I'm going through. Hopefully, Barry Manilow doesn't sue us now, dude. We're up <laughs> next on the chopping block. Dude. Damn, yeah, he is uh, pretty litigious. Yeah, he seems to be live from the studio. I'm Jimmy Seleski. I'm Eric Laser. Uh, coming at you with a Christmas classic by Wham, aka your boy George Michael, who we just discovered before the podcast. No thanks to my search baron search engine. <laughs> That Jimmy's virus on his computer. <laughs> yeah. The virus has given me no answers. It was like, are you sure you want to go to Wikipedia? Seems unsafe. <laughs> Why don't you stay here with the virus? <laughs> you don't want to know who wrote Last Christmas? You want Bear Manilow to get you, do you? Um, no, but Last Christmas uh, may be the last Christmas song written that wasn't written in like 1930. What's a? I bet there's like a new Michael Bublé fucking Christmas song. There might be, dude. But like, when you think of like classic Christmas songs, I mean, there's only one that makes the 101.9 rotation every ten years. I would say. What Mariah Carey? That was. You're having trouble with time lately, dude. That was 30 years ago. Okay. (laughs) We were talking about Barry Manilow before the cast, and Eric was like, uh, "That new star skiing hunter." I was like, "Dude, that was 04." <laughs> I know it hits hard. It's hard for me too. <laughs> it's just yeah, my frame of reference is so skewed. Yeah, but uh, and and what thanks? What thanks does George Michael of Wham get by writing the most one of the last great Christmas songs that will ever be written? Unfortunately, Barry Manilow comes out of the woodworks and says that song sounds like too much like my song. Can't smile without you, and it's tough. Because I really do like that song, too. Yeah. But also, it kind of just sounds like they have, like, the same BPM. Is that it? Uh, <laughs> Is that the whole thing? They have a similar... Yeah, uh, we call it a tempo. In Yeah, well, BPM, tempo. I They have a different beat, though. Like, uh, Last Christmas is more of, like, a straight pop. Like... And uh, Can't Smile Without You is more like... It's more of like a like a big band type vibe, you know. Yeah. So that's how George Michael kind of gets away with it. It's it's tough because like the chord progression is obviously there. You know, you can sing along the lyrics to Barry Manilow's song to Last Christmas, and but vice like, versa. but like, if that's really gonna be your barometer on what songs sound like other songs, then everyone should be suing everybody. Yeah. I mean, legitimately. Like, I think the problem with uh, this situation is that because George Michael dared to write a song that kind of strays away from the typical chord progressions that you hear in pop music, that there's far fewer songs that use that chord progression, and now they're all on edge. Like, whoa, you just joined our club of fucking this chord progression? I mean, nobody's nobody's suing, like... The amount of times you could sing songs like Sister Hazel, uh, Hard to Say What It Is I See In You, Hard to Say What It Is, and um, Blues Traveler, fucking, uh, why you wanna give me? It's the same chord progression. It's the same fucking thing. Are they suing each other? No. 
Should they? Yes. Should they? Maybe. I don't know, dude. I get. I get. No, probably not. I get scared thinking about that someone might. Uh, I mean, that's that's a musician's worst fear. I mean, your worst fear as a musician is writing a song, and I'm sure it's a similar thing with comedy too. Mm-hmm. You're writing a song, and you think it's the best thing you've ever done, and then you sit down to show it to somebody, and then they start humming another song. Yeah, yeah. Your whole week is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Nobody wants to think that they that their best idea was stolen. They got to start from the drawing board, you know. So like, I don't think George Michael did it on purpose. Give the guy a fucking break. Isn't he like dead now? Maybe. You're gonna sue George Michael. He's dead. Yeah, you're gonna take his bones. Why didn't Barry Manilow write a Christmas song? Since he's so fucking great. Yeah. Not to shit on Barry Manilow, but like, dude, come leave us alone. <laughs> Hey, leave Christmas alone. Leave Christmas alone. Leave we my fellow George Greek, Michael. <laughs> George Michael, alone, who dared in an 80s music video to maybe be gay a mm. little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you saw that video, like the camera yeah, pointed yeah. at the guy and the girl. I don't know what it is about camera psychology, but I feel like the cameraman was kind of angling my psyche towards the guy. <laughs> You know? Well, also, like, something like glimmered on the guy, so it kind of like drew your attention to him. Mm hmm. That was real. I like how they were trying to be real subtle with the messaging in the video. Mm-hmm. But then you have George Michael, who's like blonde, feathered hair, lipstick, eyeliner. Like, but was he like openly gay back then? Probably not. I mean, his main hits were, wake me up before you go, go, don't leave me. That's pretty. If I didn't want to come out directly, I would instead write that song mm. and be like, you tell me. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like the same stuff with like Freddie Mercury too, where like in most of his music he talks about women, but now looking back, you're like, whoa, was he actually talking about a guy? Yet he named his band Queen. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> you know, like it, you know, but hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I guess he was like, I'm gonna make it so obvious, and then he wrote like. He wrote Fat Bottom Girls, which is, it, it blatantly sounds like a guy pretending to be straight in the lyrics. He's like, oh, dude, I love uh, fucking chicks, fat asses. <laughs> they make the world go around, dude. Don't even, t- don't even start talking to me about chicks and their asses, dude. I'm like, all right, Freddie, I don't know. Dude, dude. guys back then, though, were like, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Little did they know that, oh, man. But that I think that was a, you know, I mean, Elton John, like, dude, I think that being gay was such an unordinary, like, out in the open thing back in the 70s and 80s that, like, they were trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, is everyone was gay in the 80s. Like, look at Guns N' Roses. Yeah, even your dad. (laughs) Even my dad was gay (laughs) in the 80s, dude. Like, the, the hottest guys, like Prince, Prince wasn't gay. You know, maybe, he. I don't know. But, like, they all dressed like that. They all dress like figure skaters with fucking like big flashy shit. So it was kind of like hiding in plain sight where the gay guys were like, dude, as long as all the straight guys are literally dressing up exactly like us, we're good. But uh, yeah, I don't know what ever happened to George Michael. He was a very talented guy, very talented guy. Mm -hmm. And um, our condolences. If he's dead. Yeah. (laughs) We, We didn't... Wikipedia, that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't know. That. Search Baron didn't let us get that far. <laughs> yeah, Search Baron didn't want us to know. <laughs> Speaking of uh, gay and Christmas, um, my favorite Christmas song is by Elton John. 
mm. whom I consider to be the queen of pop. And that, I know you know this one. It's the one that goes, step into Christmas, let's get together. I brought it up on the Adam Ferrara podcast, too. Mm-hmm. That's another great classic. It is a good one. And uh, have you started listening to Christmas music this year, dude? Have you started that yet? It's been it's been sneaking in here and there. Mm. If it's like on the radio or whatever, if I'm in the car, I've heard uh, you know I've heard a couple of the classics. I'm dreaming of a Christmas. Christmas, just like the ones we used to know. That's Bing a, Crosby. That's a great one. Yeah, that was a time when you could be famous, like you could be like a famous hot. I was talking about that with Liv the other day. We were we were watching something and they were showing like um some documentary of like uh like the like the guys that were recording music back in like the 50s and 60s. And you can see how like societal standards change, not just with female beauty standards, but with male beauty standards, you know? Like the guys back then, like Johnny Cash was a hot guy. Yeah. I like Johnny Cash. <laughs> but I don't feel like that's... Like, really? You know what I mean? Like, I could, you can could see Elvis. Yeah. Dude, Elvis was hot. But also, it's just like... I feel like every dude back then was just so, like, cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. So if you just did anything different, that was kind of hot. Yeah. Well, they also had, like... It seemed like the standard was just, like, a little bit older... And definitely a little bit uh, having more like masculine. Like back in the 70s, they had like mustaches and chest hair and shit like that. Yeah, leather jackets and shit. Hot guys don't have chest hair anymore. <laughs> I can't think of the last hot Hollywood hottie that has chest hair. Yeah. You know? Well, it's all about, uh, you know, just the fucking physique now, I guess. Like the washboard abs, the fucking big pecs. You don't want to cover any of that up, that hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm kind of sour grapes in about abs lately, dude. Yeah. I think I've just given up on the prospect of ever having them again. Damn. It's not worth it, dude. No, it's not. It's literally not. Like, the amount of work you have Because also, to- it's, it's like, okay, you're going to get abs, but then what? Still continue to fucking, like, diet as much as you need to to keep, like, a fucking... 10% body fat. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? You kind of have to become a little bit of a drag as a person. You gotta suck. You gotta suck. Yeah. Like, you fucking eat like a little fucking container of carrots every like 20 minutes or some bullshit. Yeah. You go out to the bar and they're like, nah, I'm just gonna have a water. I'm gonna have a water. It's Wait, empty cal- get, I'm not drinking empty calories. You know, like the chicken you put on a salad? Can I just get that and then maybe a little bit of peanut butter? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because like... Yeah, I'm going to dip that chicken in the peanut butter and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> what a drag, dude. It's midnight. <laughs> We're all out and you're dipping chicken breast in peanut butter. <laughs> just so you can have abs, dude. It really is a trade-off. I mean, I think the only time in your life when you can be both a super fun dude and have abs is your early 20s at the latest. Yeah. Once you get to, like, your late 20s, dude, if that guy has abs, I don't know, dude. It's like he's probably... No offense to dudes with abs. Please don't kick our ass with your (laughs) abs, but... I mean, uh, hey, try to find the time. I know it (laughs) takes time to keep those fucking abs, dude. Yeah, it does. But, like, the amount of work you have to do, it's not... Look, as they say, abs are made in the kitchen, dude. You don't you don't just go to the gym and work out 
and get abs. You have yeah, to like you are what you eat. You exactly. Gotta eat a bunch of abs. You gotta eat abs, baby. <laughs> you gotta eat abs. But as Alex said, he said, and I trust his judgment on this, abs are for boys, traps are for men. Mm. And uh I I think that most and, and I would like for our female listeners to to uh pitch their opinions on this because I'm gonna make a bold statement that completely coincidentally benefits us <laughs> I'm like a bold proposition that works exactly in our favor but when you're looking at a guy do you find a guy do you find like the lean skinny guy with washboard abs more attractive or do you find like the buff not dad i'm not talking about dad bod i'm not talking about like soft pudgy guy i'm talking about like a buff guy with like like big arms and like traps and stuff like that and like pecs like real pecs you know what i mean like real pecs i feel like you're really emphasizing the traps and all of these i think the traps are important dude there's only the like traps are like right here right it's just like the fucking yeah that thing that's yeah. that's huge it's huge, but also like, and that's if, what makes you huge. If that was the biggest muscle on your body, you just look so weird. <laughs> <laughs> you just had, you would just look like a hunchback. I think you know, like when you look at like dudes who get really into bodybuilding, they like care about all these crazy muscles, like your mm-hmm. fucking quads and shit. You see guys like flexing their quads. Like yeah. anybody gives a fuck what your quads look like. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. But I think girls only know. It's kind of like dudes. It's like we don't know, like when a girl like gets like a slightly like microscopically different haircut, and but like apparently has a whole different name, or like they do something different with their like eyelashes, and like they expect you to notice. We don't notice it as guys. You know, and I feel bad. And I notice it most of the time. You notice it most of the time? Yeah. Mm, well, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't. Thanks sorry, for leaving dude. me hanging. Sorry, dude. sorry. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like a particularly, like I'll notice, like if, you, if, if yesterday you were blonde mm-hmm. and today you're brunette, I would probably, I would notice that. Yeah, you would notice that. But like if yesterday your hair was wavy and today your hair is like an ombre, I don't even know what that means. That would, I guess it would be dyed, like a gradient. So you'd probably notice that. <laughs> Went from being wavy to normally to then I guess yeah. just a different color. I didn't even use, that's how little I know. I didn't even use two comparable things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But that's kind of how I feel about how girls look at guys. Like uh, Girls know what abs are. They know what biceps are. And they don't know the name of traps, mm-hmm. but they know what traps are. Yeah. Shoulders and traps, you know? And I think that, you know, when all else fails, when you get to your late 20s, you got to give up on the abs and just get the fucking, you know, those things going. That's just me. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I see that. I see that. Um, You are talking about guys with quads earlier. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of the only muscles that, like, you can either really work hard in the gym to get them or just walk a lot <laughs> and you'll have like yeah. the same effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and really like when you know you're starting to get good quads is when you look like you have two knees. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you flex your leg and you're like, which one's the knee, you know, Ooh. which I don't really know how that's attractive either. Yeah. You know, I always wished, um, I think calves are important, you know, 
Just because I always wanted like those. The super cut ones. You know, not even super cut. I just want to look good in socks. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like I can pull off flip flops because there's enough gradient from like the top of my leg to the bottom of my ankle to be like a nice slope. But you know those like dudes that can wear those like half length crew ne- crew crew not crew necks. What are they called? Crew socks. length socks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they wear socks. Yeah, and like certain people just look cool with those socks. You know, kind of. I guess like they have a more like chicken leg type of like they have the ankle and then the calf. It's like if like if okay like if if my leg was like a chicken wing mm-hmm. versus their leg is a chicken wing. You know, like they're both drumsticks, right? Yeah, yeah. Their drumstick would be like that big bulky like fucking thing, and then mine people would be like, "Is this a flat? <laughs> what is this, dude?" You know? Yeah, no, that's I like see the you. one. Envy thing, and I think calves are most comparable to boobs for uh, girls because you really can't do anything about calves as a man. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll say, "Look, hard work and dedication applies to virtually everything in life except calves." I would say that it yeah. applies to your career. It applies to your relationships. Um, does not it applies to the rest of your body? Does not apply to your calves. There's no amount of work that I could see myself ever doing to not not have good calves. Yeah. You know? It's kind of scary how good of a, you know, calves to boobs is because if you, they get bigger if you get fat. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is true. Well, also because, do they get bigger because they get fatter or do they get bigger because you're walking around with more weight? I don't know. You know? Maybe. That could be it, dude, because, like, if you Just think... gravity? <laughs> well, I mean, think about it, dude. If you're super fat, in theory, your legs should be stronger. Because if you're, like, like okay, like, you take us both what, popping around 200, something like that, ballpark. Mm-hmm. Now, now, just flop 100 extra pounds on us for a yeah. day. Our body's not going to be able to take that, dude. No. We're walking around with 100 pounds extra of weight every day. You don't think if we do that for a year, our legs aren't getting stronger? No, that's... But, but like, People in that scenario, fucking, then we can just take that 100 pounds off. Yeah. Well, that's why people wear those weight vests and shit, you know? Yeah. I kind of want to do that, not going to lie. Gain 100 pounds for bigger calves? <laughs> no, just carry around, like, weights on me. I kind of want to do that, too, a little bit. Yeah. I don't, know how, I don't know how that would fare. Um, what the hell? Oh, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, uh, last time. Cause, uh, with these, well, I did, uh, we got a good reception from the Adam Ferrar podcast, by the way. People were oh, like yeah. commenting on that. I was like, oh, damn, I didn't realize. Cool, 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 cool. Um, but you can't really talk about too much local stuff with mm-hmm. that. You know, you know, nobody wants to come down from New York City, talk about what's going on in Baltimore. Yeah. They're yeah. looking at it like, who cares, dude? You're lucky I'm fucking here. Yeah. You know, not saying Adam was like that, but. If I were in Adam's position, I would have been like that. Like, yeah, dude, for sure. Like, shitty town. Um, but you heard about like the the squeegee boy employment program that's going on down in the city? No, you didn't hear about that? No, no. It's it hasn't been like I saw like a couple articles of it, and I was just kind of freshening up on it before uh, we got here. But um, it's like a ninety day program where they're taking ten kids that are squeegee boys. And getting them jobs at uh, a couple places in like the harbor, hmm. which I thought was cool. 
you know? Yeah. I always thought it was funny that our friend Matt Brown is basically a, a actual professional career squeegee boy. Yeah. What he calls a window washer. But, like, that's a real job. I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, the things that he squeegees don't move. They stay in place while he does it. Yeah. And you have to, like, yell at the window. And you're, like, guaranteed the money. You're definitely guaranteed the money. Which I have noticed. I have noticed Squeegee Boys have been getting better about, like, if you don't have any money, they won't do your window. Which yeah. is nice. I like that. Um, but I have been noticing that now I uh, I have been needing a squeegee a lot more. And I haven't been seeing them. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of torn with this Squeegee Boy program. Because part of me is, like... Yeah, well, I don't want to pay for a car wash. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just want to drive down to Fayette and President Street, tell somebody a five. But like, I have like I think personally uh, that that's a great great idea. I think that that's awesome. They're doing it. I, my only uh, gripe with it is why is it only ten? Why are we doing with ten squeegee boys? Yeah, why aren't we doing it with like all of them? Also, hopefully, like they're getting paid more than they would have made doing like squeegeeing and shit (laughs) otherwise they'll just quit that shit real quick and the answer to that is probably not yeah i mean i if i were to guess um let's say they make five dollars let's say they make let's say they make five dollars every time a red light hits right Mm -hmm. on average like sometimes somebody might toss them a 10 sometimes somebody might toss them nothing on average if they're out there for two hours there's a red light like every two minutes. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money now that I think about yeah. it. I think I almost overestimated. But is it That'd be like, like $300. Yeah, but then is that all for just one person or is it like split between like the fucking, you know, five to ten kids that are grouped up? Oh, I was working out the math that they each take $5 each because oh. they all go out and like do their own thing. And maybe one of them comes back with a 10. Maybe it's less. Maybe let's say it's $1 every red light. That's still that's still 60 bucks for yeah. two hours, which is $30 an hour. Yeah, Jesus, untaxed. Untaxed. Nobody's paying you $30 <laughs> an hour. No. <laughs> I'm not getting paid $30 an hour. <laughs> exactly. Like, so maybe that will be the downfall of uh, the Squeegee Boy Employment Program. Damn, is dude, this, I'm about to be a squeegee boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is weird when you work out the math in those ways that it's like, uh, holy shit, that's actually uh, a lot of money. Yeah, maybe I'll wait till the spring, though. Yeah, I don't know if it's we about could... to be cold. I think, you know, unfortunately, I think we're too old to be squeegee boys. Nah, dude, I we think... just get propeller hats, <laughs> big lollipops, big lollipop. <laughs> suspenders with like a rainbow shirt under. A kite. <laughs> <laughs> These kids don't look like kids. <laughs> like five o'clock shadows, like crust in our eyes. We just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> like the super, like super close up SpongeBob crusty faces. I think we'd be the creepiest version of Squeegee Boys because <laughs> we're not young enough to be squeegee kids. We're not old enough to be very sad cases. <laughs> We're not like 
put together enough to be an obvious joke, but we're not homeless enough to make sense. Yeah. We're like right in the middle of everything. <laughs> we're just like two dudes that yeah. look like we're still maybe three or four bad decisions away from having to be a squeegee kid at our age in our position. Yeah. But we're just doing thinks it. we're making a really bad prank video. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I think you guys like overestimate. You guys don't look that much not like squeegee kids. Like, you. <laughs> In fact, they're dressed better than you. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> it's a it's a shame, you know. But we missed that we missed that boat, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish. But it is when you work out the math of those things. Like you work out the math of how much money people panhandling can make, mm-hmm. and it's tough because, I mean, I, I've talked about it before in the podcast, but like. I was I took I was uh, waiting at a bus stop about four years ago, and I was talking to this dude at the bus stop, and then we got on the bus and we were both going to this must yeah it must have been four or five years ago, and I was taking the bus down to Henry's house when he lived down on Nickel mm-hmm. Avenue by Northern Parkway, and I was talking to this guy the whole way down, and he was saying like yeah I live in Glen Burnie, I catch a cab or a bus up here every day, and I come to Towson because that's where the money's at. I get my corner. And I'll make like 200, 300, 400 a day. Jesus. And I was like, I mean, and like, it was kind of like one of the, like, it's almost one of those situations where it's like, then I guess it really comes down to the type of person you are. Cause exactly. I mean, you can't knock the numbers. You can't knock the numbers, but you have to be like, okay with. I guess doing that or like okay with like people seeing like I don't know it's like weird because it's like I don't know you're not supposed to like look down on the homeless but I would never want to be one you know yeah but if you're making $300 a day why are you homeless you know it what I mean? It doesn't sound like he was. He I said don't, he lived in Glen Burnie, yeah. right? Well, I, he didn't say he lived in a house in Glen Burnie. I guess <laughs> okay. that's just an assumption I made. But Yeah. I don't know. If you're making $300 a day... That's more money than we're making, dude. every day... Like, yeah, what the fuck? You're probably paying a mortgage easily. That's the... that's well, dude, you, dude, unless you're literally spending boatloads of money on drugs, which is very highly possible... Dude, three hundred a day. But that's like more than I make. That'd be that's like ninety thousand drugs. That's a lot (laughs) of drugs. How are you doing that many drugs and being alive? I read some. I read somewhere that uh, I when I say read, what I usually mean is I watched a YouTube video or I overheard my brother saying something. Yeah, I didn't read it. You heard Joe Rogan talking about. Yeah, I received information from some place that's probably inaccurate, but it was like something like the average. Uh, like drug addict can spend like a thousand dollars a week in drugs or something like that, Jesus. like something preposterous. Maybe not a thousand, but it was like in the high hundreds. Where it's like, maybe Matt Brown was talking about that. Mm. Where it's like, I mean, now you can definitely see how a drug habit can ruin something because the hustle, the crackhead hustle, like the hustle that it takes to make money and always finding different ways to make money. Yeah, if you could apply that to to not being addicted to that drug, you would be a highly successful person. You know what I mean? And I guess what really got me about this this man that I was talking to on the bus was was that 
um, the morality of it because I think obviously whether or not you are going to say it out loud, there is a unspoken truth that we all understand, which is that a lot of the people that come up and ask you for money are, let me put it this way. If you truly believed that every single homeless person you ran into was this super like hardworking, down on the luck person that just just needs a boost and blah 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 blah, you should in theory be giving money to all of them. Like if you think that every homeless person that comes across you is like Will Smith in fucking uh pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like fucking like hardworking guy that just can't catch a break, blah blah blah. Why aren't you giving them $50 every time you see them? Anytime you you lie and say, I don't have any cash, when you do, you're making a decision in your brain to be like, because uh, I have given money to homeless people. Mm-hmm. And I have also not given money to homeless people. What has been the difference? And I know everyone ever in the world has given money to certain people and not given money to other certain people. You're making a secret judgment in your mind in that moment. Going, I don't know if you deserve my $2. I mean, it sounds shitty to say, but that's kind of what decision you've just made. You know what yeah, I mean? No, you know what I'm getting true. at? No, yeah, I've, I've been in that situation before. And the reason why we have to make that decision is because we understand that there are people out there that are taking advantage of the fact of taking advantage of people's generosity to make $300 a day like that guy on that bus. Mm -hmm. And what happens is because that guy on that bus is doing that, now he delegitimizes the guy who stands in that corner the next day who actually fucking needs it. That's what's wrong with panhandling. Yeah, and that's why you make those, you know, silent judgments. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in regards to the squeegee kid thing, it is tough when you have uh, a thing like that uh, where why can we only get why why can't we get more than 10 positions for these kids you know what I mean yeah I don't know I mean maybe there's just not that many businesses on board at the program who knows yeah yeah it's true too I mean but also like what are they did they say what they're gonna do at the harbor (laughs) or it's gonna squeegee like the windows of the buildings or no i don't think they're doing anything squeegee related damn which is silly you know i think they're doing like dishwashing and stuff which is kind of squeegee related yeah but not quite (laughs) kind (laughs) of i mean that's good because then there's like some type of like upward mobility there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. work your way through the kitchen yeah what else happened with you this week? Anything happened with you this week? Fucking, uh, yeah, I had a uh, string of shows in Richmond over the weekend with Elizabeth. Um, on uh, Friday, Traverse Comedy uh, hit up Elizabeth to be on a show on uh, their Femmes the Rule show. I saw that. And uh, basically the format is... Like, three women are on the show and three guys are on the show. And, like, 
a guy will go up to his set and then like a woman or a woman identifying person like will then like have a timer or a, a bell to be like ding 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 stop talking uh every time you end a joke i want you to say i'm sorry <laughs> like that was one of the things someone had <laughs> like you could have a role set up and like make people do shit or just even just stop them from telling a joke or whatever but uh yeah femmes the rules so how'd that go how, how much abuse did you take dude it was it wasn't too bad because I was partnered up with Elizabeth, so uh, she didn't she didn't treat you that badly. Yeah, she didn't treat me too bad. Um, there was like a strike system, so I did get striked out. I got three strikes. How do you get strikes? Um, I forget because I tried to play it very smooth, and I think like at one point, <laughs> I like I think my final strike was like. Uh, Elizabeth hadn't like interrupted me for a little bit, so like I finished a joke, and I was like, um, that was like real. I like told a story, and then I like went to her to like, and that was real, right? And she was like, yeah, but like you don't need to tell me when to chime in. Uh... Ding! Third strike, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um, but it was good. Um, and then since we were down there, they're like, hey, do you want to do another show? Do you want to like? have your own show down here so we did a hot set which is our hot pepper show oh, i thought we you guys wanted to do the opposite of fems the rules where now <laughs> yeah. we get to tell women men's the rules <laughs> men's the rules shut up <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no it was a good good time i had only been to richmond one time before and that was for work um but we went back to kind of the neighborhood I stayed last time and went to a couple of the stores I knew down there, went to a couple of the restaurants and tried out some new spots. So it was like a nice little mini vacation in Richmond. That's tight. Sponsored by, uh, you know, those two shows. Mm-hmm. They kind of paid for part of the Airbnb, so, you know. Did you break out. even? No. Ah, well, <laughs> I don't think so. Nobody breaks even. Come on. That's it, awesome, like, though. I'll say... I better probably paid for like half the Airbnb. And then, you know, we had three days to chill out in Richmond. That's dope. Yeah, it was a fun time. Um, did you hear about the... Uh, I forgot about the Jussie Smollett thing, but you you heard he just got convicted? Yeah, he got convicted for being gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. Being a bathhouse. <laughs> he, he got five counts of disorderly conduct which i guess is one way of putting it but the thing that well first well, the thing they he really got was the fucking staging a hate crime right well yeah but i think that's how they classified the charge maybe because i don't know like yeah that, that that's what he did he staged mm-hmm. a hate crime but i think in legal terms they consider that to be disorderly conduct which i guess in legal terms anything is disorderly conduct if yeah. you're conducting yourself out of the order of the law mm. like speeding is disorderly conduct do you think like they didn't have like a specific charge to hit him with so they just kind of stacked a couple i think that's got to be a very niche crime he said he got five counts of disorderly five conduct? counts and apparently he faces up to three years for each one of them Jeez. so he faces apparently up to 15 years in prison which would be crazy like like 
I think that um uh I don't know if he needs to get 15 years, dude. Yeah, that'd be pretty intense. And I don't think he will. His, I think his his shit's kind of already over. His punishment is that he's probably never going to work. He's ruined in Hollywood not, again. The the thing that makes it kind of uh unless he goes like the Mel Gibson route and starts doing like a bunch of Christian movies or something. Yeah. But I don't know if they'd want him. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if they'd want a gay. Yeah, black Mel Gibson didn't have the, the gay thing working against him. But like Damn. Four went out for Jesse out there, everybody. Jesse. I think his punishment is that he ruined his life, basically. And the worst part about it is is that he never, he still maintains that this happened. Like throughout really? the. Yes. He does not, he is 100. He hasn't given up on it? No. 100% through the entirety of the trial, he is insisting that this happened. Also, did like Subway give him like money? <laughs> did Subway like sponsor this staged hate crime? If they did, then they have the worst marketing team. <laughs> A genius guerrilla marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> Between Jared and Jussie Smollett, they really know how to pick them. Jesus. I mean, but that. When I saw that, I was like, you know, look, forget about forget about the fact that it does take a very special type of person to get that idea in their head and uh, go through with it. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to our conversation. Because it's about, not too crazy to have the idea. Of course you're going to have the idea. Everyone has the idea. I always <laughs> think about staging a hate crime against myself. <laughs> it would be super hard to pull off. <laughs> a straight white but male hate crime. It? Doing Come it? <laughs> but like... Just burning a fucking... Uh... I don't know, Jack Johnson CD on yeah. your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> Burning a slice of baklava. <laughs> Throwing a plate at me and not yelling Opa. Hate crime, dude. Hate crime. It, t- it kind of goes back to our panhandling conversation where there are examples of this actually happening, like actual hate crimes. And so when you stage one, delegitimizes the real ones just like when you pretend to be a person in need when in reality you're making three hundred dollars a day cashing in on people's generosity and sympathy you delegitimize people that actually need money at the fucking traffic stop you know what i mean yeah so like that is a morally reprehensible thing to do but then the even more crazy thing in my opinion is that once you get caught you double, triple, quadruple down on it till the end to the point where you've just been found guilty. And probably, I mean, going into this sentencing hearing, it's like he hasn't been sentenced yet, obviously, which is why I'm saying he's facing up to this much, but he's been convicted of these counts and those are the amount of time he could face. Part of, He'll probably face a, a harder sentence because of the fact that he's still not admitting it was yeah, a lie. He's still lying. You know, it'd be crazy if as if he wasn't lying. Wouldn't we yeah. all look like idiots? <laughs> what if it was a big setup? <laughs> like that would be like, and like part of me still wants to be like, you know, like you. 
for me to maintain something to that extent, it would like I could see myself lying maybe like once. But the second anybody finds like anything inconsistent with my story, I'm like and that's why I stopped I stopped lying as a general rule probably about twenty years ago. Yeah. You know? Everybody tells little white lies every now and then. You know? Yeah. Nothing but like anything big, it's just not worth the drama anymore. It's not worth it, dude. It's true. The second you like the second like getting caught in a lie is one of the worst looks for a person, just in terms of their honor and their ability to be trusted in the future. They have that old fashioned thing like a handshake agreement, a man's word is his worth or whatever. That's kind of fucking true, dude. You give somebody your word, you tell somebody this is what happened, and then it turns out it's not true. And that's why I've always said that, like, you know, if I am aware of like a friend of mine that is cheating on his girlfriend or something like that, some people would say, well, who gives a fuck, dude? Like, why does that change? It's just like, I mean, I'm still going to hang out with him, but like, it does make me think differently about them. Oh, yeah. Because it says that you're a dishonest person, it says mm-hmm. that you have the ability to look at the person that you care about most and tell them something that is a lie and maintain that lie. Yeah. You know? I don't even necessarily, like, if a person, like, cheats on their girlfriend and then, like, flips out about it and feels awful about it and tells them the next day, it's, uh, it definitely says a lot about them in the good category, you know? Because it's like, okay, like, you're a human being. You can fuck up. I'm not saying that if you fuck up ever, you're a piece of shit, mm-hmm. but there's something about the lot, like the commitment to a lie thing that says a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? At that point, it's like, okay, so wait, how long have you been doing this? Mm-hmm. Or like, this isn't your first fucking rodeo. Yeah. It, it, and it like, and like, you think about like, just that lifestyle, like that, that lifestyle of like, of like, because if you lie about that shit, you probably lie about a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're just like a super honest person in every other facet of your life, and then you're just like a complete piece of shit in relationships. I don't really know if that. Maybe that is the case. Maybe, but probably not. If you're a serial cheater, yeah, it's probably a slippery slope. Exactly. You're probably a serial liar in a lot of situations. Yeah. You know, but that lifestyle of always looking over your shoulder and worried about getting caught and having to maintain a story and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, it's not worth it. Yeah. Well, it's it's either that. I feel like maybe we're like too like empathetic and we like think about it like that. I feel like the person that does that doesn't even think about that. They probably think they're just like the shit and that they're never going to get caught. And that like, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Well, I guess that's when you realm range into the category of sociopath, which I guess is what I was kind of, uh, I guess what should be stumbling towards is like what Jussie Smollett is doing is sociopathic. <laughs> I mean, is it not? I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you're going to bring it back to that. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds, I mean, like, but like, really, it's like, dude, it's it's kind of fucking like I don't give a shit about anything other than just how fucking crazy that is. Like how nervous I would be if that was my idea. That that like the second anything didn't add up 
that it could completely embarrass the fuck out of me and then just not caring about that and going through with it anyway. It's like, it's almost kind of like, it's almost creepy to me. I'm creeped Mm. out by this situation, dude. I'm creeped out that there are human beings that have the ability to just sit there, even in court, and go, no, this really happened. I don't care what they say this happened. And everyone around you, including probably your lawyer, because you know, sometimes, I would say most times, lawyers know when they're defending a guy who did it. Yeah. It's not the lawyer's job to... That's why they always say, like, like if, like, you know, if you're, like, talking to your defense attorney, like, just don't, don't say anything that incriminates yourself. Because the second you say something that incriminates yourself to the, your, your own attorney, then it becomes, if they don't disclose that, then it's like, now they're guilty of something. Yeah, exactly. Like, complicit or something like that to a crime. But, like, those guys know, mm-hmm. you know? And it's kind of weird because it's like, I'm going to be like, well, all prosecutors are, like, prosecutors are the bad guys because they're always ones trying to put people in jail. But it's also like, well, that's not fair because a lot of the defense attorneys are probably like the same type of shit. Like, I know this guy did it, but I'm going to work out a perfect case to get him out anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you think that lawyer really believes it? Mm. I don't think so. Probably not. Yeah, Jesse Smollett. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. But again, but again. This is kind of one of those things. I un- the only the only thing I understand that like okay, it cost the city of Chicago millions and millions of dollars in resources to investigate this and go through trial and shit like that. That was the worst thing. Is that apparently after his like case was dropped or something like that, he turned around and sued them. <laughs> he sued them. For like defamation or something like oh that. Oh my god! Which is like that—that's what I'm talking about, dude. That's so bad. You're just angering the fucking. You're poking the hornet's nest. Like you probably could have gotten away with it. Yeah. You probably, if you just like did it, you were like, that guy attacked me. It was a hate crime, and they were like, no, it wasn't. And you're like, if you were just like, yeah, if you right. just fucking sat it out of the spotlight for like two years, you would have been fine. You could have just returned to acting. No one would have remembered it. You would have been fine. The absolute balls. The absolute <laughs> to balls. To sue a city. <laughs> to sue a city. After you attempted to f- frame a hate crime. <laughs> and that's the other thing. It's like, what What was the motive there in the first place? I guess he wanted to become like a... Well, also, it's like, what if like people went down for that? What, what do you if, mean? Like, what if people... What if they believed his story and then they just like picked up two guys that sounded like the description he gave mm-hmm. and then they just got sent to jail for what he was about to face 15 years yeah or if they just got 15 years they would probably get way more probably way more i mean if they convicted two guys of beating the shit out of somebody as a hate crime that's you're going to jail for longer you're going to jail for longer yeah especially nowadays and especially in chicago they're not letting that shit slide for a second you know so like he went about that i just I don't know. The whole shit to me seems unreal. And I almost like I I don't expect that he's going to go to jail really at all. I'd actually be willing to see a poll of of that. Like, how long do you think that's going to happen? I don't think I think that because of his stature and because I think everybody just kind of looks at what he did and it's just kind of like it's kind of like a come on, man. It's literally like a come on, man. Like, the guy's never going to work again. Yeah. His name is tarnished for the rest of his fucking life. 
He embarrassed himself. Sometimes embarrassing yourself is the worst punishment. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that has to be so embarrassing, dude. There's a there's a, there's fates worse than jail time. I think about that stuff all the time, like in terms of like, geez, like I mean like what like I was just thinking about like what happens when a person like gets caught like watching child pornography. I can say that from my experience of knowing people or knowing of people that have gotten caught with that, it's like, dude, you're done. Yeah, you're just fucking done. There's not a second there's not a moment in your life when you walk into a room of anybody who knows your name or knows of you at all that doesn't know that about you. Yeah. You're never living a regular life again. You know? It's like those kind of like Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, okay. <laughs> Some things can be like, okay, you know, turn a new leaf. But that yeah. That's just like a permanent record thing. <laughs> yeah. It is a permanent record thing and it's, it's almost crazy. it's like you you don't live that down. You don't live that down. And it's not really one of those like you you do the time for the crime and then you're out and everybody's cool with it. Those are certain things. Like even like a murderer. Dude, if you murder somebody, you go to jail for 20, 30 years. See, you go to jail for 30 years. Yeah. You come back out, you're Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption age. You know, mm-hmm. you come back out, you're fucking wise and cool and you you read the whole Bible 16 times. And there's been times. so much time that's passed since then. Mm-hmm. And depending on the murder, I think people will forgive you either very quickly or, you know, after 30 years, bygones be bygones. Yeah, because also murder is sometimes justifiable. Yeah. There are times in life when murder is right. There aren't really any times in life when rape is right. You know, or child uh, molestation or whatever it's called. But like, so I guess maybe that's part of it too. But it just is crazy. Like, that's one of those things that like, like we have a friend who has a friend who is currently in jail right now, who is trying to contact our other friend about stuff. And like, wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> Talking about after the after the podcast, I guess. I will, I will. But you know this, you know this person. Oh no. They do some hiking down in the sewers every now and then. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh my god. Yeah. So that guy is in jail uh for um felony trespassing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll never live that down you will never live that down once somebody finds out you were trespassing in the sewers dude stealing golf balls stealing golf balls <laughs> Titleist is pissed um no but like for some kind of like domestic dispute thing oh my god and it's like dude come on man i can't be hanging out with you if i found out that you just randomly beat the shit out of a dude outside of a bar do i care that much Am I going to walk out of the room? Am I going to say, fuck this guy? I'm never talking to this guy. If he's like, dude, my bad. I got real drunk one night. This guy like said one thing and I just beat the fuck out of him. I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I just won't say anything to you when you're drunk, I guess. You yeah, know, like, exactly. But like when it's your girlfriend or wife, it's a different thing. It's a very different thing. Yeah, that's different. And I could never personally look at you the same because of that. You yeah, know, that's... dude, that shit is fucking crazy. I walked into Seasons Pizza. This is an unrelated story. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked into Seasons Pizza 
uh, last weekend, and I was talking to some people, and um, somebody said something about like kicking the door, like the glass door, mm-hmm. like they were making a joke, and then the manager was like, "Yeah, that's all we need is another broken door in one week," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He was like, "Oh, we had this couple in here, this like Latino couple, and like they were just eating pizza, regular whatever." And they walked out and got in a fight in like our vestibule area. And the guy got super pissed and like kicked through the glass door, broke the whole glass door. My God. And then walked around the side. And there's literally security camera footage of him just beating the shit out of his wife. Oh my God. And dude, like when you're watching that, hey, it was so strange to see that like oh my god they showed you it yeah <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> they did but i mean it wasn't like a laughing thing it was like no dude, look i'm how... not laughing i'm just like what no i mean like oh my god. it sounds bad that they showed it to me but like you also have to consider like no i understand yeah yeah, yeah. and like you know that was the only thing i was worried about even telling the story is that people oh, were like, no. what the fuck but like my our main question was like my main question was like well you you obviously you know you had to get him reported to the police for breaking your door but you obviously sent him this footage she was like yeah all the police have this so it's gonna happen blah 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 and he paid by card so like yeah, they have his have name his and everything name, you know yeah. everything about this guy so like he's he's getting what's coming to him you know Jeez. but like dude it was just fucking wild to see like he like walks away she follows him he turns around just wallops her in the face. And then he like keeps walking. She comes around again. He wobbles in the face again. Throws her into the fucking street. And you could hear her like on the camera, be like, "No, mi amor, mi amor." Oh I was God. like, "Dude, you gotta look." Um, women, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk away from that. You gotta run away from that. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Like, it was something so, I guess what was so disturbing to me was that this guy was doing this, and, and it'll be one like thing. kept going back. Exactly. That is what fucked with me the most. It wasn't that he did, like, okay, okay, look, she walk, she comes up, follows me, turns around, punches in the face, she gets up and runs away crying. Terrible thing. But psychologically far more disturbing, the fact that she kept on coming back. Yeah. That is what's fucking wild to me yeah yeah. you know and so like (sighs) there's a certain level of uh yeah certain things like that there's very few things that i think are like unforgivable and that's one of them forgivable you know what's (laughs) you know what's weird i don't even look at like i know i'm wrong in this but if that same video was a guy beating the shit out of their kid, I wouldn't have felt as strongly. Really? I wouldn't have been stoked about it. Yeah, I was going to say what? <laughs> I wouldn't have been like, hell yeah. But I also wouldn't have been as uh, like shocked by it, you know? Like if I just saw like a dad pull his son out, his like young son, like 10 years old, and just like hit him a couple times, throw him in the street... I would have been like, damn. Damn, that kid fucked up. Yeah, what did that kid do? Damn, Damn, did that kid break that door? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that kid paid so we have his name on file because we need to fucking do some fucking work here. You got to arrest this child. Find me that kid. Look, 
Look, I'm just saying it would not have affected me the same. I and I would have I would have felt a way about that. I when I was uh me and Joe were traveling recently back from like uh Florida, so we're in like the Orlando airport. Mm-hmm. When we're in TSA, like a little bit in front of the line from us, it was this family with like two very very small kids, and like the little girl kept taking her mask off, mm. and the. <coughs> The uh, the dad was like yelling at her, yelling at her. Finally, she took it off. Like, I guess the last time for him. So he fucking smacked the shit out of her. Oh, just in front of a ton of fucking people. And this was in Florida. In Florida. Uh, and yeah, for the rest of the time waiting in the line, me and Joe were just like, "Damn, let's fucking beat this dude up." Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, I don't want to really intervene, but like. Fuck this dude. This guy's fucking sucks. So I think at one point I did have the chance to just like bump into him kind of hard. Nice. But like, I don't know. He'll never forget that. I was very pissed off about that for some reason. Well, yeah, I could, I could, I think, yeah, when you see it firsthand, it definitely, uh, I, I think maybe going back to, I guess, what's, uh, disturbed me about the fact that she kept coming back is, I guess, um, that when something like that happens and you see how the victim reacts in a manner in which uh, it's the norm, to imply that that's normal. Yeah. To imply that, like, when your husband or boyfriend hits the shit out of you, your response is not to immediately run away and find help, but instead to try to still think that you can bring him back down from it or, like, still think you can mediate it or still even want to mediate it Mm -hmm. still even have the desire in your heart to fix that is conditioning you have to be almost conditioned whether by previous relationships or by your upbringing or by that relationship alone to accept that and tolerate it you know and so maybe maybe what's disturbing about what i said about not being affected by the kid thing is that I would just be like, oh, well, the dad beat the shit out of the kid. That's you think what that's because you got the shit beat out of you as a kid? Yes, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's like, what I'm yeah, saying. Well, I deserved it too, so. Well, yeah, and you know what? I still think I did. <laughs> I can name you about two beatings, two beatings that I don't think I deserved. Out of? A lot. Hundreds. <laughs> hundreds. Hundreds of times. Where I listen, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, my dad was right. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Yeah, about your situation in Florida, mm-hmm. do you think perhaps how old was the girl? Uh, probably like seven or eight. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit, change out some roles. Would you have been? Not saying that you would not have still thought a certain way about it, but would you have been perhaps slightly less affected by it if it was a boy? No, I don't think so. Not at all? No. Because there was also a little boy there, like her brother was there, her little brother was there. And he was behaving. Well, yeah. He was being bad, but not as bad, I guess. But I was like, that's... I mean, dude, 
it's it's kind of it's traumatizing for that kid too because he's like seeing his older sister get fucking beat. Oh, up, he was like, the younger boy. Yeah. Mm. So like, I don't know, dude. If he, it was like little boy, yeah, I'd probably be this feel the same way. Yeah. It's more so just like the fucking you know, seeing how hard he slapped the shit out of her. Like, it was just fucking. It was bad. Yeah. Her face got all red, crying. If it was like boy, I'd you know feel the same way. Yeah, dude. I'm just. I, I guess I'm mainly. I'm mainly appalled that he did that in public. Yeah, that's right. the, that's what in the really. Of a fucking airport security line. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you bring a fucking coffee thermos with a sip left of coffee, they'll fucking take that shit away. <laughs> but if you beat the shit out of your kid in line, they yeah, don't. I they don't take the fine. kid away. They don't go like, well, you can't bring this kid on the plane. You just beat the shit out of this kid. Yeah. Thanks. We were actually going to do that. But, but give me that deodorant. It looks like it's six ounces. Get that <laughs> shit out of here. <laughs> Airplane security is something the fuck else, dude. Yeah. Truly something the fuck else. Oh, fucking. Uh, I didn't say this earlier, but when we were in Richmond, we were staying uh, at this like pretty nice Airbnb. Um, but it was by the Hollywood Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And it has uh, two presidents buried there, as well as the president of the Confederate Army. And they uh, had an entire section for Confederate soldiers. But uh, the craziest trying. thing about that was they built a, a pyramid as a monument for the Confederate soldiers there in like the eight, late 1800s. And it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, yeah, it was very spooky. What was the guy's name? Uh, Jefferson Davis. Yeah, was the president of the Confederacy. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that was in Nashville. It was in uh, Richmond. Richmond. Okay. Richmond, VA. Now, in regards, I've been watching a lot of uh, stuff on YouTube about um like wars and shit mm -hmm. and well first of all i was watching this thing the other night about the mongolian japanese wars yeah that was on youtube i mean you porn <laughs> you porn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a crazy war that was <laughs> but like dude they were fucking i mean it's completely unrelated but just like the shit that like mongolia i, I tell you what man a lot of re lot of respect for Japan, dude. Mm. You can't take away from Japan that those are some badass motherfuckers, dude. Okay. I mean, Mongolia was running everything at that point. They were running everything. They took over China, mm. most of China. They took over Korea. Felt kind of bad for Scott because apparently, like you know, Japan's here, Korea's here, and so Mongolia was like using Korea for all their resources as they took over Korea. Mm -hmm. And then they were. This is in like the twelve hundreds, and they were making all the Koreans guys yeah. fight the war. Bygones be bygones at this point. Yeah, I know, dude. I mean, I don't think he'd mind. I think, yeah, I, I just felt bad for the fact that, like, I was imagining, like, them coming into Korea and, like, Miss Moon's there, <laughs> Scott's there. Yeah. Like, hey, man, leave him alone, dude. Come on, bro. <laughs> but Japan had the advantage of being, like, an island. Yeah. So, like, dude, the Mongolians don't have a navy. Mm -mm. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They've, they live on. The fucking planes in Asia, the steppe, as they call it. Yeah. So they took over like all the fucking grasslands and shit, like all the way to Europe. I mean, they probably didn't even know Japan existed at that point. Oh, they knew. Oh, they knew. I mean, 
Not like the way we know. Yeah, yeah. I know Japan exists. Like yeah, yeah. they had never watched anime before, but no, they knew no, no, Japan no. was a thing. You know, which is kind of crazy. Like you don't, you never seen like footage of it. You can't like watch TV and stuff. So like they just heard that there's another country over there that apparently they don't control. Mm-hmm. And the Mongolians were like, Kublai Khan was like, dude, I'm not having that. Let's go. <laughs> you mean there's people over there that I don't control? Does that not piss anyone else off of me? <laughs> just me? We're going over there. So they sent him a letter saying, like, trying to be like a cool guy. Kubla cool. Yeah. Trying to be cool. This is Genghis Khan's grandson, of course. Of course. Trying to be cool. Trying to be cool. Like, trying to go bang some Japanese. Trying to bang some Japanese. Huge weeb. Genghis Khan, huge weeb. <laughs> so he he messages fucking, he messages, he DMs, <laughs> DMs Japan. Slides up in there mm-hmm. and says, hey, guys, look, you know the drill. Like, we're fucking Mongolia. You know what we're bringing to the table. We rock. You guys are Japan. We respect you. You got samurais and shit. But, like, come on. Really? So why don't we just skip the whole war shit and just go straight to you paying us a bunch of money? We'll tax the shit out of you. Pay us some tribute. Send us some bitches. Send us some women. Send us some women. Send us some young boys to work in the army. Work it out. Japan ignores it, which is, uh, they ghosted them. Japan mm-hmm. ghosted Mongolia, which, as a person who's been on the other side, been ghosted, can't blame them for what they did next. Upset. <laughs> upset. I'd Obviously, upset the Mongolians are going to be upset about this. So they come sailing across the ocean. Again, they don't know what they're doing. So they come to our boy Scott and Miss Moon in Korea and they go, hey, you guys live on like a peninsula. You guys have navy. And they were like, yeah, we do. We totally do. And then Mongolia was like, all right, we're going to use your ships and shit. So they go over there. They go to Japan. And then they, they have like these two islands like before you get to Japan where like they're like samurai there. But they're like, I mean, dude, it's 1200. Like the guys on the islands a thousand miles off the coast aren't really that tight with the guys on the mainland. They yeah. might have been there once in their life if they're lucky. So they got their own thing going. The Mongolians come in there, kill the shit out of them, take all the women in the uh, in the island that they like captured, like the young women, and nail them like Jesus style to the front of the boat Jesus. as they sail into by the hands. Mm-hmm. Like they're all just like nailed to the front of the ships as they sail into Japan. That's gotta piss you off, dude. You come in, you see that happen, and it's like, dude. Do you think that's where like that came from like on boats decoratively having like women in the on the front of the boat like a mermaid or something that could have been one maybe that's what they were going for maybe that had already maybe. been invented <laughs> and the mongolians just really didn't get a <laughs> little bit in bad taste little bit <laughs> in bad taste so they go there and like it was just cool to see that the japanese fought back against them but the point i even bring any of this up is because we were talking about the Confederacy, right? Yeah. And I think one of the more um, unfortunate yet understandable misconceptions about the Civil War is that, yes, the war itself uh, was primarily fought about the issue of slavery. This is correct. Um, But the people who were fighting the war were people, like, let's say you're a guy in bumfuck Virginia in 1860, 
You don't have Twitter. You don't have TV. All you have, and, and you're not even in like Richmond, Virginia. You're not even like in a city that has like a lot of hubbub going on. You're in like, like drive yourself out to like Western Maryland or probably some of the places you go out in Tennessee where like you see like it's just in the middle of nowhere, people driving four wheelers. Mm-hmm. Imagine how disconnected they are now and then rewind 200 years. Yeah. Well, that was the crazy thing too in, uh, in Richmond in the Confederate uh, like area of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. There was a giant tombstone honoring um, fallen Jewish Confederate soldiers. Yeah. And like uh, there's like a Jewish tradition that you like place a like a rock on a tombstone when you visit them. Mm-hmm. And there was literally like hundreds of rocks on that one tombstone. Wow. Wow. Well, I guess my, my point is in, in I guess in regards to that is that the guys who are fighting that war, like, let's say, okay, dude, let's say you and I are in Pulaski, Virginia, which is the place I got pulled over and ran out of gas on my way down to New Orleans. Middle of fucking nowhere kind of area. Thickest southern accents I've ever heard. Thicker than when I was in Alabama. Those guys are in their own world, per se. And um, actually, you probably drive through there on the way to Nashville. Uh, if you were to drive at least um and it's you and me chilling there in our fucking little farm town in the middle of virginia it's 1850 something and all we hear in the newspaper that's printed by our local people is going yo lincoln's talking shit lincoln is talking shit he does not fuck with us Mm -hmm. he doesn't think we should be able to do this that the other thing now mind you we're not rich guys we're not we don't own slaves. The average person does not own slaves. The average person back then did not own slaves. In fact, owning a slave was something that was primarily reserved for if not the upper class, then maybe the upper 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 middle class. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of money it costs to house someone and feed someone and stuff like that and to own a plantation that big that you're growing all these crops and taking all that money in, stuff like that like People like you and I and people like most people are not the people that in at any point in history that would have had a slave, let's say. Yeah. So you and I are chilling in our little farm town 200 years ago. There's slavery around. We don't own them. We're farming our own fucking fields. We're doing our own shit. We're barely getting by. I got a couple chickens, a pig, whatever. You got the same thing going on. You got an ox, whatever. And then this war comes. And all you hear is, Virginia seceding, the North is coming, we're going to war. Now, dude, again, you come up to me and you go, dude, Jimmy, did you hear? Like, I just saw the monthly newspaper. They're taking us out, man. They're coming for us. They're trying, the North is, those fucking Yankees, they're trying to tell us what to do, blah, 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 whatever. It might be in regards to slavery, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if every other dude in my town is going to con- sign up to fight for the Virginia militia, to fight back against the invaders, I'm a pussy if I don't. You're going to feel left out. I'm going to feel left out. I'm going, <laughs> dude, my boy Eric is going to war, and I'm not going to fucking back his ass up. Because that's how they had the wars. Ba- that's how they had the militaries back then. It was like the fucking, this town's militia and the Virginia 12th, which is all guys from this area. Like, you knew the guys you were fighting next to. It was all yeah. your boys, like all the guys you went to high school it was with. Open tryout. 
Exactly, dude. <laughs> you fucking go out there. And so you, you me, Scott, Mahedi, we're all like, oh, shit, dude. This is happening. We all sign up. We go to war. And then we fight honorably for that cause. Not for the not for slavery. That's what the that's what the higher ups were fighting for. That's what the rich were fighting for. But the average person was simply fighting for the guy next to him and his state and his home. And so I look at like I look at like those, you know, it's one thing to have a big ass monument of Robert E. Lee. I mean, uh like the the Confederate general, and I can totally understand why that would be uh, a problem, even though Robert E. Lee did free his slaves and apparently like the other fucking guys in the North actually did kind of have, like they like held on to slavery longer than Robert E. Lee did, which yeah. is a weird historical thing. Um, I can understand like maybe not for Jefferson Davis perhaps because he obviously knew what was going on. But dude, if there's a fucking bunch of tombstones for a bunch of fucking guys that died in that war that probably had nothing to fucking do with any of the reason why I was fought other than they knew that the guy next to them was fighting for them and he was going to back his ass up. It sucks, but that's what most wars are. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about the tombstones or anything. I'm just saying it was scary to put a giant pyramid there mm. <laughs> as like a monument. Um. Uh. Yeah, yeah. That was just weird. And then also we saw like three like... uh looked like J-R-O-T-C, like, white kids who were, like, too stoked to be in the Confederate stack section of uh, the cemetery. <laughs> so that kind of left a bad taste in our mouth, too. Oh, yeah, wow. Richmond. Richmond is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a but Virginia's weird like a, city. That's, like, yeah, Richmond, that's kind of, it's kind of weird for, like, the, um... It's very, um, I don't know. It's It's, like, I'd say it's, like, a very hip city. And, like, I think Virginia, because, like... It's so close to DC. Um, it kind of like leans pretty progressive. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure like marijuana is decriminalized in Virginia now, um, and a bunch of other things. But it was definitely felt kind of like the South and some other parts of it. It also kind of reminded me of New Orleans a little bit. I could see that. Just like the architecture and kind of not too many like tall buildings hmm kind of interesting yeah the set yeah i mean i would i would personally consider the uh oh, sorry for the sig and yeah, dude let me share <laughs> i i do consider virginia the beginning of the south and and you know i think that's what most people consider uh because that's when you really start to get that flavor which i i like i like the southern flavor a little bit i kind of like the whole uh they are nicer that is a real thing. They are more polite. Uh, maybe not when they're beating their kids in the airport. But as a general rule, I sometimes get bugged out about like living in Towson and the fact that like when I like walk by somebody on the street, it's kind of like weird to say hello. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Like why is it that? That's such a cultural thing. Like it is. It's a very East Coast thing. Yeah. Did they and not I do guess, that in L.A. or like West well, Coast? I mean, yeah, maybe it's just a city thing. Yeah, I think it's when you're like so used to being around all these people all the time, like living on top of people that like when you when somebody s says something to you on the street, you immediately assume they're trying to get something out of you, which is a kind of an annoying way to live. 
culturally, yeah. but that's how it is. Like, or it's just like there's an overload. Like, there's too many people that like it wouldn't make sense to say hi to all of them, so you just don't. Yeah, why don't I just say hi to none of them? Exactly, that makes more sense. Can we just uh, we kind of like the East Coast? We just kind of assume that this guy is saying hi to me when we walk by. Mm-hmm. You know, even or though like he made maybe a point you of give it a nod or something. Like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the dude nod. You know, the dude nod. Whatever. The downward, downward is fellow man. Upward is your boy. These are known facts. Known East Coast facts. Known East Coast facts. <laughs> no one else does it like that. No one else does that, dude. I think that's Towson. I think that's just Towson. Only the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one else abides by these rules. <laughs> um, shit, what else is going on? Oh, oh fucking... Uh, so, it's been in the news a little bit. Uh, like, I think the... Like, you know, you saw, like, Chris Cuomo and a bunch of other news people recently get caught for, like, sexual misconduct. Yeah. Um, It's happening in the video game world, too, apparently. I was seeing stuff from, like, Activision, the CEO. Not Activision. Not Activision. Not the Spider-Man games. I know. Come on. They've been fucking up. But uh, some of their, like, under companies, I guess, have been fucking up, too. Um. I saw an article that Blizzard, so they made like World of Warcraft and like Diablo and shit. Uh, apparently, they got uh, breastfeeding rooms made for you know women who are breastfeeding, so they can pump their breast milk and shit. Um, they ha- had those added to the offices to accommodate that, but someone in the office was stealing the breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> what is that considered is that considered like what is the that that is disorderly conduct (laughs) (laughs) that is just that's not orderly dude what are you doing you know the guy stealing the breast milk he's not giving that to a baby probably not probably not being used for no good it would be a cuter story if it was a baby stealing the breast milk (laughs) (laughs) like they turn on the cameras (laughs) <laughs> Little ass baby in there. <laughs> Can't put that baby in jail for that, dude. It's like if I just stole a Pop Tart from somebody, like that's what I want. That's my favorite <laughs> thing. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, that's um that's like that that falls in the weird category for me. That doesn't fall in the rape sexual assault category. I mean, yes, it is a sexual thing. It is definitely thing. a sexual thing, and it's very fucking creepy. Super creepy. Not denying the creepiness, but just a guy stealing breast milk, that's like... That's like. That's so strange. Yeah. Are you a sex offender in that case? Um, or are you just a weird I don't think you guy? can charge them as a sex offender, but it's like... I don't know. That's kind of like the, the kid who like likes killing animals turns into the serial killer you know yeah like that guy's on the path it's being a sex predator it's someone you want to nip in the bud yeah or at least keep tabs on (laughs) yeah you don't hear that story about that guy be like yeah bill yeah i mean yeah there was a time last year where he snuck into the breastfeeding room and stole the breast milk and brought it home but other than that like pretty solid guy i don't think i don't think there's anything weird about all of his deadlines yeah he meets all of them He's always down for crunch. Super strong bones, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> titanium bones. Great teeth. <laughs> yeah, that is uh that was at Activision, you said? It was at Blizzard, which is an Activision company, yeah. Alright, good. As long as it wasn't directly the people who made Spider Man. No, I don't think so. And thank God. Unless otherwise, or Tony Hawk, you he know. fucking like shoots the web and it comes out of his <laughs> tip. Breast milk. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Is that, that where that was? <laughs> it's Spider Man Two. How much breast milk did I shoot personally out of my Nintendo GameCube? <laughs> I didn't ask for this. Ah, my goodness. Hmm. You know, that is what you're slowly starting to realize, unfortunately. And I, I come at this from, uh, I'm friends with the, like, the artsy, uh, like, people. And I have, obviously, a lot of friends that were, like, more into sports and shit like that. And the whole, like, uh, sexual predator culture was always pointed at like the fucking like jock people and like the super macho alpha dudes that are like bro and like don't get me wrong dude i mean um that type of vibe certainly exists in like particularly like fraternities and stuff Mm -hmm. like that rapey kind of thing now it is interesting to see how certain things that it's crazy to think how normal certain things were back in the day. Like, for instance, purposefully drugging a girl and raping her. If you told that story in the seventies, you wouldn't get the same reaction. Yeah, you'd be Bill Cosby. You Bill Bill. You, but that's that's kind of like the hard thing to accept, dude. On I was watching um. Can I take a piss real quick? By the way, yeah, sure. I'll edit this, I'll edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> the piss and what I'm about to say. Boom. Live from the studio, uh, it's recorded in front of a live audience, and we put our episodes out weekly whenever we can. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Seasons Pizza in Towson. Seasons Pizza, don't beat your girlfriend up here. We just had to replace our door last week. Uh, Live from the studio is also brought to you by Miller High Life. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Now we return to the podcast. Anyway, what the fuck was I saying? Oh, um, yeah, right before I got here, actually, I was watching an episode of Seinfeld. Now, mind you, this is a show that was popular in the early 90s, 30 years ago, pretty much. And you know how they always do that, like, stand-up bit at the beginning and then the episode that, like, correlates to the bit and then the end bit at the end, which also correlates to the episode, which I think is a very unique and interesting concept that hasn't ever been done again and I don't believe it's ever done before. And I think that there's something to be said that Seinfeld is truly a show that holds up. I mean, I can watch that show like I'd watch any show that came out now. Yeah, and for sure. That is a show that stands the fucking test of time. There's there, some- there are a few episodes that kind of like, all right, 
Why don't you just use a cell phone or something? Exactly. Like the one where they get like lost at the mall, they can't find the car, yeah. and the one it's like or the Chinese restaurant one. Yeah, there's entire episodes that just could be scrapped because of modern technology. Yeah. But so many of the things just still hold up. And even with the episodes that could have been scrapped because of modern technology, they're the way they're done is still so funny that you can kind of if you put yourself oh, in that well, you position. You get it cuz yeah. it's like, okay, I'm watching an old show obviously. Yeah. So it's just it's just funny, but in this one, this most recent episode I watched, it was, uh, well, the episode was about a guy who was like a drug addict, but the sh- the bit at the beginning was about like, and and the end mostly was about Jerry Seinfeld being like, you know, isn't it a shame when you know you see these guys who what I find most interesting is the guys who try to commit suicide and don't, like, you know, it's like. Did your life get any better from there? Why not just keep trying? You know, like, and just like going off and like being like, you know, because that's just one more thing on the list that you aren't good at or something like that. <laughs> and just like going on this thing. And like, even in the episode, he was like, you know, like talking about like different ways to kill yourself. And he was like, why not just put your mouth around a revolver like a, like a normal person? Something <laughs> like that. And you're watching it. And like, of course, the way he's doing it, it's like funny. And it's coming from Jerry Seinfeld, who's like one of the more harmless comedians ever. But it's so interesting to see that, like, holy shit, that is a, a joke that because of the just 30 years of cultural shifting, just you watch it now in 2021, and you're, and you're kind of thinking, like, oh, my God, I can't yeah. believe he made that joke. Yeah, now, sure. is it something that uh, people may have joked about on a personal level that I may have made a joke like that at points in my past? Of course. Of course. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. But... The fact that it was aired on national television is a whole different story, you know, and that says something about the general level of culture at the time, and that's something that is. Damn, dude, you're a snowflake. I'm a snowflake now, dude. I am. Inadvertently, no fault of my own, <laughs> but because of my environment, just the things that I come across on a day to day basis, and the subjects that I've been trained to kind of avoid, or oh, don't don't say that word, and don't touch upon this subject. It's just, that's all culture. So, like, you talk about, like, what we're talking about, like, the the culture at, um, uh, like... Uh, Blizzard or whatever. Blizzard, things like that. I would... When you're hearing about all these sexual assault allegations... Breast milk thievery. Breast milk thievery. Fucking dweeby, ugly dudes in hollywood fucking like harvey weinstein and shit like that like and like all these like little fucking like political pundits doing shit like that and and little fucking like senators and things like that it's almost like the nerds are more guilty of that shit Mm -hmm. than the jocks and i think that because of the culture that we've been taught that we've watched all through childhood. You know, you watch a fucking movie, a rom-com, a high school movie, teen movie, something like that. And it's always like the fucking jock on the team who's like the total fucking asshole. And he's like, yeah, man, fucking, yeah. He's like dating the girl that the, the nerd guy has a crush on, but like she doesn't know that he's actually a piece of shit. And like, I'm going to show her like real love. And at the end of the movie, they get together. And so like you always, you know, when you watch those movies, myself and yourself included Mm -hmm. have kind of been trained to have this like oh the jock guys they're the assholes and the nerds 
They're the good guys, right? But that's not wrong. really that's not really that true. That's kind of wrong. It's I just mean, been the nerds at the top pushing this in on us, dude. It, uh, yeah, because who was producing those movies? The guys who were literally the nerds who were literally doing that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, that shit exists at fr- fraternities and stuff like that. But it's more kind of like in your face, I would say. Like every girl knows. That like like I remember even when we were in college like oh no we don't go to fucking teak parties those guys are super fucking creepy and rapey yeah girls know that shit and it's kind of like out in the open not that they're blatantly fucking like raping chicks I don't think that that would have been stood for but like that those guys like if you go to a teak party like those guys invite girls because they're trying to bang on which okay why does anybody and why does any girl let's not even get into that. That's why people throw parties in college because I doubt there's very few people that are like, let me have this party that I I certainly hope I don't get ass tonight. Wouldn't that be a bummer if I had sex with a woman at this party that I'm throwing? So, okay. Oh, but like... (laughs) Oh, please, God, no. No, I want to go to church tomorrow. (laughs) So, like... It's more kind of like, yeah, that culture exists, but at least if there's one thing to be said for it, it's out in the open to a degree that people notice you're clear of it. What's worse is in those other more kind of like dweeby Hollywood politician culture thing where like these are the same guys that are like making movies about you know, being the nice guy and being the good guy and the same politicians who are going on there and talking about women's rights. Those are the same guys doing it, usually. Mm-hmm. It's like more prevalent. It's like every time I hear about this thing, I hear about a guy stealing breast milk out of the office. Do I think that that was the running back for the 49ers? No, I do not. I think that that was a guy who worked at a video game company. 103%. 10 times out of nine, that is a fucking dude that works at a video game company. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. When I think about a guy who is forcing girls to blow him to get some type of thing, do I think that that's the starting power forward for the Cleveland Cavaliers? I don't think so, because I think that guy is getting so much ass he doesn't even know what to do with it. I don't think he needs to sit girls down in a room and pressure them into sucking his small, shriveled little fucking dick. But you know who does? The fucking head producer over at this company. The head (laughs) producer over here. So it's like, We've kind of been flip-flopped a little bit, dude. You know? That's that's toxic masculinity. That's toxic masculinity. There's toxic masculinity. Obviously, frats are toxically masculine, dude. That's why we weren't in them. Yeah. That's why we weren't in them. Sorry, guys. We could have been in them. You don't think we could have made friends with... We did make friends with frat guys. Mm-hmm. You know? But, like... Not all fraternities are toxic, but a lot of them are. And they embody the quote-unquote worst elements of masculinity, aggressiveness, starting shit, territorial, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh, look at this girl, let's invite these chicks over, blah, 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 I'll get fucked up. That's bad. But what's worse is the guys who embody the quote-unquote best qualities of masculinity when all the while, all the while... They have the same fucking intentions. That's more dangerous. 
the devil you know. I'm not even going to finish this thing because I don't entirely agree with it. <laughs> but you know what I was thinking. <laughs> you know you're thinking it too. You know you're thinking it too. I watched an uh, animal documentary about this fish I talked about before. It's like some type of blowfish or a cuttlefish or something where like there's this big... I guess, depending on what animal you are, there's certain things that you got to be. Like, obviously, as we discussed earlier, to be the most impressive male, you just ha- you only have to have huge traps. It's the only thing you need to be an impressive human male. All other muscles, useless. Have huge traps when you're a blowfish. You got to be the puffiest motherfucker out there. Mm-hmm. You got to be... full trap. You got to be puff just one big daddy. trap. One big trap muscle, dude. <laughs> I can't think that's what I'm trying to look like when I train my traps is to look like a blowfish. You just like, look fucking... <laughs> I don't even know. You know those dot gummies? Yeah. That's just what you're going to look like. <laughs> like a fucking diglet. A dots. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. One big trap but with a face on it. <laughs> but there's this big, puffy blowfish. And obviously, all the girls want to be with this biggest blowfish. Mm-hmm. He's the puffiest, dude. You want to be with that bitch blowfish? He can't even blow that much. He's not puffy enough. So then what are these? Fuck. I don't even know if they're blowfish. I don't even know if a blowfish <laughs> is a real fish, to be honest. I think I'm thinking of Hootie this and This is actually a cartoon. <laughs> but in this real thing, I think, uh, the one of the more... Dare I say, beta blowfish changes his like form to appear more like a female, mm. right? And now he's able to tag along with this alpha male blowfish and all of that alpha male blowfish's female fish mm. as a non harmful, innocent little female fish. I'm just one of the girls. And then when that blowfish turns his fucking trap ass head, he immediately fucks one of the girls. Jesus. And you know what that is, dude? That's toxic masculinity. And that is what you're seeing when you see those kind of fucking like beta-y dudes who play like the, I'm the nice guy, I'm the friend. Dude, usually those are the guys where when the girl gets super drunk at a party and like is half passed out on the way home and you're sitting next to her in the Uber, that's usually the guy that's going to try to fucking like make out with her and like try to like finger her on the way home yeah sorry sorry to say it but that's that's usually what you're dealing with you know that's that's so like i think i think as a society we're starting to now that all this shit is coming out in the open it's like oh wow the guys that we really have to worry about turns out are those guys and that's interesting because those guys are spending so much time trying to convince us that it was the other guys dude (laughs) Spend so much time whining. Mm-hmm. Whining for pussy. Whining for pussy. Whining. Dude, <laughs> speaking of whining for pussy, not really at all, but um, the other big trial, bigger, should, should be bigger than the Jussie Smollett trial is the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, right? Mm. That's happening yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. And it's like not really being covered by anyone. Not a lot of people talking about it. I don't think they're it. letting press into the uh, courtroom. Why? 
Because I'm sure they're talking about a lot of crazy fucking stuff. Yeah, but aren't trials supposed to be public? Isn't that like the whole thing? I think some information's coming out because I saw something in the news about like Ghislaine or Ghislaine or whatever her name is. The OJ trial was televised. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Apparently she said Jeffrey Epstein needed to fuck three times a day. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) I mean... I want to fuck three times a day sometimes, but not by the, you know, like, I, I, I don't think that him needing to fuck three times a day is that crazy, because I think most men, if they had the choice, like, if somebody was like, you know, how many times would you like to fuck today? A lot of, most men would be like, three would be good. Three square meals a day. Damn. You know? I don't know if I could pull that off. At least twice. Definitely twice. Okay, so the guy's ringing in one more round than you per day. I don't Mm -hmm. think that makes him... I don't think that that's the best foot forward of the case. He's just talking about how much of a fucking monster this guy was at fucking. Oh, yeah, no. I just think it's funny. I think maybe more so... One of the things on his like itinerary is like, <laughs> all right, well, at least need to get fucked three times today, so make sure you go scout the high schools. And, and what was her job in that? I'm assuming you know a little bit about this as well. Um, not really, to be honest. I just know that like she facil- helped facilitate a lot of the fucking uh, shit. A lot of the fucking. A lot of the fucking. <laughs> she helped facilitate a lot of the fucking. And I guess they banged, and I guess maybe she joined in on the fucking sometimes. I'm really? not really sure. I know she's playing like that. I had nothing to do with this. He, you know, I was you... under his, con- I had Stockholm Syndrome or whatever. Dude, I'm sorry, but no. 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 You don't get to use that defense. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's the actual defense. But, but I believe I it assume. is. I yeah. believe it is. I assume, yeah, she's pleading, like, not guilty. Of course she is. But, like, it's strange to me. That whole shit, the Epstein shit, and, and like, we've touched upon it from time to time. And, uh, you know, I, I've gone through phases where I look into it a little bit more and then stop caring and then I see his name and I watch another thing. Yeah. And it's like there was like a Netflix series about it. And like maybe I'm wrong in assuming this, but like when I see something that's released on the most prominent uh streaming platform in the world, such as Netflix, am I really convinced that that's where I'm gonna find the the whole truth? And nothing but the truth. Yeah. When a lot of the people that are backing these companies are probably a lot of the same people that are guilty for some of the shit that he was facilitating. Yeah. Like, if I see, like, if if most of the most powerful people in the world, or not most of them, but many of the most powerful people in the world are engaging in this type of shit on his island, and I think that... that all the hard hitting evidence against him that's gonna that's gonna fucking knock off everybody that was involved. I think that's gonna happen on fucking Netflix. I'm sorry, but that's one of those few times where I think you're gonna get the best information from a YouTube video with about fourteen thousand views. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, you know, if I see something that like fucking uh, you know CBS puts out, I was like, dude. Your CEO probably flew to that island. You think, like, everybody's, like, it's just hard. So I haven't even watched it because it's like I don't, I already don't believe it. 
I already don't believe that Netflix is going to give me the dirt. Yeah. You know? Or at least they're going to give you the dirt that's going to be all against him. And they're going to just paint it out as like, but they're not really going to include the magnitudes of people that were involved. And it's insane to think of how many fucking people were involved. And it's insane to think about the reality that he was definitely killed in prison on purpose so that he wouldn't be able to testify against those people that were involved. Mm -hmm. And that's how he made his money is having all that dirt on people and things like that. And how many people were involved and that we're never going to know it. And now you have this other woman who like is involved and is now going to play the whole like, well, I didn't want to be involved. It's like, dude, and and we're and, and it's not even like a it really isn't of that prominent of a news story. I don't know, dude. It it just it, that whole situation. It's like it embodies everything we were talking about about how much of that shit is going on, and how much of that shit is going on by the people that are telling us that actually it's not going on, it's not going on. or yeah. that or that it is going on, but it's not us. It's you and them. It's not no. We're the good ones. We're the ones telling you not to do this shit. Meanwhile, that uh, the the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell, um, look, if they could kill her, they would. But here's the issue: they can't. Mm-hmm. Not because they can't physically kill her, but because if they kill her, then you know what's going on Mm -hmm. i mean two people suspiciously die in jail before they can go to trial of course not yeah or i wonder if she has some like fucking safeguards in place that they know of like dead man switch or some shit i just you know i think the thing that fucks with me the most as a normal close to normal guy is like, dude, when you're a billionaire, you kind of can fuck three times a day three different consensual, beautiful women a day. Yeah. If you if that's what you set your sights on, if your goal as a billionaire is to say, I want to fuck super hot women all day, every day, guess what, pal? You can. Why did you go and fuck it up by making them all like teenagers and like preteens and shit? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, do you know how cool? Do you know that like if you just advanced it like 10 years later and instead of having them be slaves, just have them be like girls, hot chicks who want to fucking stay on a private island for a week? Yeah, or just like start a magazine and be the next Hugh Hefner. Like, you can just do that route. And yeah. Like, no one's gonna bat an eye. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, just like when we're talking about the guy hitting the woman and the most disturbing thing was the woman coming back and, and like, kind of proving that that was thing. And just like how I wasn't bothered by as much the story about the kid, even though, of course, I would be bothered by it if I saw in person, but not as much as if I saw a guy hit his wife. Mm-hmm. I, okay, let me put it this way, actually. Now that I'm actually thinking about it, Picture yourself in an airport, same way you were, same situation, but instead of a man and his daughter who's acting up, it's a man and his wife acting up. 
His wife's being a little fucking brat, taking off her mask, being annoying, blah, blah, blah. And he just fucking, boom, hits his grown-ass woman wife right in the middle of everybody. People would have done something. Probably, yeah. It is more likely that if a, if a grown man hit his wife in the middle of a public airport, people would have stepped in. Yeah, definitely. Then watching a man hit his 10-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a, um, I don't, I don't find that to be odd. I think there is a reason why you kind of are just like, all right, well, the kid's being a, like, there's enough room for doubt yeah. with the kid situation where people can kind of just convince themselves to like, not say anything, not do anything. But like, even think about yourself, like you were bothered by it, but. I would like to think that if that same situation arose where you saw a guy just beat the shit out of his girlfriend that you enjoy would have actually stepped in and done something, right? Yeah. Because it would have affected you more. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's also a thing of like, I don't know if I thought this in the time, but probably in the back of my head, it's like, all right, I want to be able to get on my flight. I don't want to fucking get stopped by security or some shit if we like step in for this, whatever. Yeah. Um, Another thing being... Uh, if it's like two adults fighting, it's like, all right, if we break this up, we know they can figure out their own way. But like, if you're stepping in on like a guy and his kid, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to make sure this kid gets on their flight now. Yeah. Or like, this kids come with me. Yeah, no, the kid has to stay with their parents. So it's like, at the end of the day, you stepping in might make it worse later on. That's true too. Um, Mm-hmm. So you kind of always gotta weigh your options, I guess. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I I guess what I was getting at is that like the most disturbing thing about the whole uh, Epstein Island shit is that its main claim to fame for the people that were indulging in it was that they were young girls. Yeah. Like, even, like, the locals on, like, the islands surrounding it were like, yeah, they do some fucked up shit on there. That is what's actually disturbing. Like I said, would I, would anyone be disturbed if they found out that, you know, whoever, they say, like, Bill Clinton flew back and forth 14 times on the fucking plane. That, oh, that's fucking wild. But would anybody be nearly as disturbed if they just found out, yeah, dude, and it was just an island of like hot 22-year-old chicks who were like just partying and like we're always down to fuck and like we're just having a great time. Yeah, dude, I'm surprised he didn't fly 20 more times on that fucking plane. Honestly, if that's your fucking thing, knock yourself out. And all the guys who were doing that. Yeah, no one gives him shit for Monica Lewinsky. No one gives him shit, dude. Yeah. And no one should really give Monica Lewinsky shit either. No. I mean kind of like that chris rock joke or maybe it was dave chappelle i can't remember um but like when they're talking about like when he did that joke or i think it was chris rock where he was talking about like y'all y'all gonna let monica Lewinsky slide and all the girls were like no 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 he was like she sucked one dick and it was a president of the united states think about all the dicks used like how many girls can say they sucked a president of the united states dick 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how many girls want to forget about the dude that worked at fucking Subway's dick? Yeah, yeah. Not Subway the store, but the Subway. <laughs> like, the underground transit system Subway. That, like, you suck that guy's dick. She sucked. Like, you can't. A 22-year-old girl, dude. I mean, like, I'd like to think that our future wives would not have blown the president a married man's uh, dick in his under his desk. <laughs> I would like to imagine that. Yeah, but it's almost like if I had to pick whose dick you were gonna suck under their desk in their office while married, I'm kind of glad it was the president and not the the manager at Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, or like or a am different I? guy who plays in Fells. Yeah, that would because uh, how do, he just shouldn't even have an office. Yeah. I mean that just means it. Where, where is where is that guy's office? I don't have it <laughs> here. It oval. I'm <laughs> just dude. Like now that I'm thinking about it, actually, I, actually, I wouldn't want her to suck anyone's dick. <laughs> obviously, that would be preferable. <laughs> obviously, if she was like, I've sucked no one's dick but yours, but I would still hope she was like really good at it. You know, I'd still be like, well. I believe this is your first time, you know, but like, I don't mind that you're amazing at it, but I also understand how much practice it must have taken to be this good at it. So it's a catch 22. Um, would I be more bothered if it was the president than the manager at Cheesecake Factory? I said I wouldn't, but I might because um, when you look back at your girlfriend's ex-boyfriends, you want to be the best one. You don't want to look you don't want her ex-boyfriend to be an all-around more successful better person than you. You know? Mm -hmm. Because then you're an obvious settle. You're an obvious drop off. Like you're not at her peak. If your girlfriend's peak was fucking the president of the United States <laughs> and now she's banging me, I can't compete with that. <laughs> I can't compete with that. I can compete with the manager at the Cheesecake Factory. I can look at that guy at a party should I run into him. Mm -hmm. And the unspoken eye contact of your girlfriend happened to blow me in my office. I can be like, well, I happen to uh, be better off than you now. And that's why she's with me. But if I were to run into, if I'm Monica Lewinsky's now husband, which God, you got to imagine that's a tough sell too. As a guy. I guess. I don't know. I guess you kind of know she gives good dome. <laughs> Maybe not. What if it wasn't good? What if Bill Clinton was like, I didn't I didn't count it simply because it wasn't great. <laughs> like, I'm not lying to you. No, yeah, I don't even remember it. Yeah. The it I don't forgettable. The I did not bust argument that we brought up a long time ago. Yeah. I did not bust. It yeah. was not that great. Therefore, I, didn't I don't inhale. It. <laughs> and, and I didn't bust. <laughs> Isn't doesn't she like famously had like a cum stained dress though? So he definitely did bust. That is that is wild that that was part of the story. Yeah, I mean that is like that. That's like if you were writing a book about that, you would want the the dress with the cum stain on it because <laughs> that doesn't normally happen for most. I mean that's like that's like I don't know. That was such a salacious detail in yeah. the thing that like not only did this like this is like this is like literally. 
an entire not only porno. Are we putting you on blast for blowing the president, but also you're a spitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't done laundry in ten years. <laughs> Jesus, lady. <laughs> you're a spitter. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's one of those things like, you know, if you like when you're a kid or whatever and you see a musician and you shake their hand and you're like, I'm never washing my hand again. Yeah. See, that's yeah, that's bless you. you got that's a little pl- presidential load on your dress. That's like a little button. How many boyfriends, you know, how many boyfriends do you think she had over the course of that time? Um that were unaware that she was saving a dress in her closet with Bill Clinton's cum on it. <laughs> I don't know if she was saving it. Because uh, it wasn't... I could tell you this much. If there was Bill Clinton's cum on my pants, I would immediately take it to the laundry. <laughs> there would be no ifs, ends, or buts about it. Yeah. I would, probably, I would probably throw them away. Because that would be a sore subject whenever I wore the jeans again. Mm-hmm. You know, even once... you'd keep them. I'd keep them. But I'd at least wash. I don't have them. jeans money. I don't know if I'd wear. Them. Yeah, I only have one <laughs> pair of jeans. I mean, if Bill Clinton busts on them, I got to make something happen, you know. But like, <laughs> I mean, that's just me. What are the odds that Bill Clinton's going to bust on my jeans? Very low, hopefully. Very low, especially now. He's not as wily and spry mm-hmm. or good looking anymore. So that's not going to fucking happen. But uh, yeah, that that going back to the Epstein thing, just to sum that up, that. Is, that was bad. That was. Can I say? Can we say it was bad? <laughs> can we say it was bad? And the worst part about it is, is that you're looking at the people that have everything that the regular man wants. Not the happily married man, but some happily married. It's like every man has a fantasy of being super fucking loaded and being surrounded by models all the time. And how awesome would that be? Blah blah blah. blah. And yeah, once you meet the perfect woman, whatever, it goes away. But like. They're living, they're so close to just living the almost perfect life. And they go and blow it. They fucked up. They fucked up. Better men. Should have been man. Better men. They flew too close to the sun. They flew too close to the sun. That's a fucking shame. Um, and the son in this situation is somebody's child pussy. daughter, <laughs> <laughs> not a son. <laughs> um, let's see other things. Oh, in other excellent news, not morbid, gross news, but uh, positive on the COVID front, dude. Omicron is around now. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're just dealing, in time for the holidays. Just in time for the holidays. Um. It came from South Africa, they say, mm. as I hear. Uh, and uh, I think the UK just recorded their first death from it yesterday. Mm. Um, and they have about 5,000 confirmed cases of it. So on its face, that looks good, you know, considering that one in 5,000 so far is uh, dying from it. That's an extremely low mortality rate if it stays at that rate. But I say on the positive front because um, I think there was a fear, and it's it's probably too early to speak on it now um, because we haven't really seen the full effects. I could be wrong in saying that I don't believe anybody in the United States has died from the Omicron variant yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's here, though. Yeah, I think it's like in New York right now. Um. But I think what we're starting to find out about this 
particular variant is A, uh, most of the public just learned the new Greek letter, which is fun, you know, because everybody knows Delta and Gamma. But Omicron is when you really start venturing into the meat of the Greek alphabet. And they had to skip uh, the letter N before O because we pronounce it new, even though in Greek it's pronounced knee, because people thought if it was just called the Omicron new variant, then people just thought you were saying it's a new variant. Mm. They wouldn't put together that it's that letter in the alphabet. So you had to skip the letter N, um, and uh, now we're O, Omicron. But what we are seeing so far is that this virus is apparently much more contagious, like it's much more spreadable, mm-hmm. but much, much, much less dangerous. Mm. which is obviously a good thing. Uh, And also, kind of if you think about it, I know there was a lot of worry that like, are the variants going to get worse and more dangerous? But if you think about like, if you put your mind, if you put yourself in the in the mind, really put your mind to it. If you if you put yourself in the mindset of a virus, let's say I'm COVID or coronavirus. Sorry, COVID is a disease. Coronavirus is a virus. So let's say I'm SARS-CoV-2, and I'm trying to be a successful virus. You know what I mean? Like, like viruses aren't living, but they obviously got a fucking agenda. They're obviously trying to do shit. You know, their goal is to replicate. You know, now viruses that kill people too quickly or that cause people to have extreme symptoms right off the bat probably aren't going to spread as easily because if I'm a virus and I go into you Mm -hmm. and I immediately make you feel sicker than you've ever felt in your fucking life and then kill you a day later before you have a chance to talk to anybody or tell anybody about it, I'm not really spreading that far, but if I'm a virus that can get into you, give you like a mild sniffles and a sore throat or maybe no symptoms at all, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't really affect you in any way, you still go do your daily life shit, you talk to me, and now now I got it too, and I'm the same way, and then I talk to Scott, and he's got it too, that virus is actually more successful, evolutionarily speaking. So it would make sense to me that a virus's goal is to maximize its replication. I mean, that's what our goal is too, kind of if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Our goal as human beings is to maximize our reproductive uh, potential, you know, whether it be through being attractive or successful or more money or whatever it is. Everything we do is driven in the name of, you know, that type of thing. So it would make sense that if you're a virus, it would do that. So I am kind of uh, intrigued by this idea that, um, A, coronavirus is kind of figuring it out. That's good. And B, we're now... <laughs> good job. <laughs> they did it, dude. I mean, like, they're trying to, they're trying to, like, I guess my point is that, like, I, I consider the Omicron variant as a good thing, which I know is a tough case to sell, but... Yeah, because it's gonna the virus is gonna mutate, mm-hmm. so at least it mutated into something not fucking scary. Yes, it's a little bit more manageable. And I guess assuming if you if you get, let's say you be, if there's if there's more and more less lethal strains out and about, then you could get one of the less lethal strains, 
and then have that, you know, obviously that's going to cause, uh, you know, immunity, natural immunity, or whatever like that. And then you're more well equipped to fight off if you do come across one of the more dangerous strains. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a good thing. Now, how we're going to react to it is another story. I don't know. They're saying that like, they're saying the vaccines are pretty effective against it, but like definitely not as much as like the other ones. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, it's like not full protection, I guess. Even though the other one wasn't like a guaranteed you won't get it, it just like lessened the effects, I guess. Yeah. And I guess from what you're saying, I haven't really done much research on any of this shit, but it sounds like the Omicron's not as hard on you as COVID. So. Oh, yeah. Apparently it's not even close. I mean, dude, Luckily, think about it. If you're good. talking about 5,000 people who got it, that's confirmed cases too. So like... 5,000 people definitely fucking had it and one person died. What's that percentage? What's five? What's one divided by 5,000? Point zero 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 five. I think point zero 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 two. Ooh. Ooh. That's pretty fucking Oof. low. That's pretty fucking low. So that's a good thing on the, on the COVID front. You know, not a lot of, I mean, I, you know, I was going to say not a lot of good news coming out about the COVID shit, but <laughs> honestly, it's been pretty good shit lately, dude. I mean, honestly, yeah. COVID talk. Our COVID corner over here live from the studio. Well, we touch upon it once every now and then. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I think that it's just funny to call it a good news. <laughs> well, it is. It's like, it is kind of good news. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, dude, guess what? This virus that we obviously know isn't just going to disappear seems to be mutating in the direction of not being as bad for you mm-hmm. so maybe you know maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to kind of be like hey guys let's not constantly try to fucking make you scared of it let's kind of talk about how maybe stuff is looking brighter you know uh but that's just me Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, man. I think, uh, I don't know if I had anything else to bring up. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, personal news. The record show is not happening anymore. Damn. Um, that sucks. Uh, it just became a thing where like, and this is something I felt it's one of those times in life where I kind of wish I had a more direct input into the arrangement of the show. Mm-hmm. Cause it started out as this thing where it was like, um, it was John's other band, Thunder Club. And one of the guys in his band was doing the, he was like the primary point of contact with the guy over at Wrecker. And then there was, I think this other band outside smoke was like involved in some way or another, but our band sophomore really had nothing to do with anything in that, like we were just kind of brought on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and at first it was going to be like, we needed to sell 200 tickets, which is kind of a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of tickets. Like 200 though. And, and I understand it. Like, would I, that be like selling out the place? Uh, no, no. I think they can hold 500, maybe 750, maybe a thousand. They can definitely hold way more than they can hold at least five, if not a thousand. So there are three bands Mm -hmm. and two of the bands had the same drummer. Mm -hmm. 
And I guess between the three bands, you were supposed to sell 200, 200 tickets. tickets. Yes. That's pretty crazy. And then we had the idea. There was two things that I personally didn't understand about this arrangement. And if anyone from the record comes across this, I would love to hear this. Why? Justification. Again, I don't care. I wasn't involved on any level other than just kind of being like, hey, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. So I don't care either way. Um, I would have loved to do that show. Um, also, it would have been our first ever show like that, like a ticketed show where we're playing 50 straight minutes of originals on a stage with a sound guy selling tickets and things like that. So like, and like maybe in an ideal world, we would have had a little bit more experience going into that so that our first appearance in that capacity was not on arguably one of the biggest stages that you could get on at our level, you know, because like we're not doing soundstage. We're not headlining soundstage like but like that's bigger than the auto bar. That's bigger than um, Metro Gallery and shit like that. So yeah, like it's yeah. a it's a big venue. And I think that um, yeah, probably a childhood dream. Probably. Absolutely. A childhood dream. I mean, obviously, we were so stoked when it came back from being a torrent. And I think that I think that the other guys, and the other bands wanted they heard that the record's coming back and they just immediately went into getting a show at the record mode. But I think and look, I said this to Alex and I said this to John. I was like, it's kind of a good I'll, I'll explain the story first and then I'll explain that. But like basically what happened was we had three bands involved. Um, they won the 200 tickets and then John was saying like, well, it might be hard to sell 200 tickets. I think we could do it if we really like pushed it really hard, which again, I wasn't a super big fan of even that idea of like, I obviously want to have a ticket at a show where I know I could hit up people and be like, yo, come out. And I believe we could sell a good amount of tickets, getting people to come out, especially in that location, yeah. like whatever. It wouldn't be that hard to get a good crowd in there. But like once I had to resort to like spamming and fucking DMing people that I'm really not even close with and trying to convince them to come out. It's like, I'm not trying to be annoying. That yeah. takes all the fun out of it. I'm not trying to convince or beg somebody to come out to see me fucking play at the record. I want to announce that we're playing at the record and have the people that actually give a fuck feel excited to come out. You know, that is the ideal way to have a show, you know, in my opinion. So like the second I heard that it might be like a more in the other direction, I was like, ah, I don't know, dude. Um, but I still, you know, in support of them, I didn't want to leave them hanging because obviously the more bands, the better. Or so we thought. And then so John's like, well, maybe we can hit up a fourth band and get a fourth band on the bill, maybe help us sell tickets. But then they email and they're like, oh, actually, we're requiring 75 tickets per band. Ooh. Now, this is where we get to the, the things that I didn't understand. Question one, when they first tell you how many tickets you sell, that's a flat thing. You have to sell 200 tickets, right? Then they ask you the question, do you want to do them at 12 or $15? Now, my question is, why do I have to sell the same amount of tickets if I make them 15 as if I make them $12? Because if I'm, if, if I'm selling, like, if I could sell $210 tickets or $120 tickets, not saying we do that, but just to make math easy, mm -hmm. let's say somewhere along, or $150, $15 tickets, let's say, why is that not okay? You know what I mean? And they might say, oh, because of bar sales and shit like that, but like, Bar sales are kind of like, depending on what kind of crowd you bring in there, it doesn't matter how many people are in there. Like, if you bring in a band that's like a fucking party lit band, your bar sales are going to be crazy. You're going to have a lot of people there and there that are fucking getting bombs and shit like that. If you bring in like a fucking like hipster artsy band where like, you know, half the fucking fans of it are like those like kind of like cheapy, you know, hipstery people that like <laughs> don't want to spend more than $3 on a drink and like they're not racking back bombs and shit like that like yeah. okay maybe you could get 300 of those guys in there racking in a, a whopping $10 per tab average or you could get 
100 fucking party people in there that are racking up $100 tabs, you know, which is very doable. You know, if you're getting bombs, trust me, order one round of bombs and you will have no problem getting, uh, order two rounds of bombs and you'll have no problem getting above $100 on the tab. Oh, easily. And it's not fucking hard. All right. So like, I didn't understand why we had to sell the same amount of tickets regardless of um, how many, uh, how much we charge for the ticket. Uh, the other thing I didn't understand is why we had to sell more tickets the more people we brought on. Because that even made less sense to me. Because I, I, like I said, at least with the first one, I could understand why, okay, well, you guys make, we make our, we break even off the ticket sales, but then our main income is the bar sales. Because you guys keep anything after this amount, you keep in ticket sales. So we don't care after this amount, but we need the bar sales. So we need to guarantee a certain amount of people in there to get the bar sales. Okay, I get it. Fine. I will accept that. I don't understand why if we added a fourth band, why all of a sudden we needed another 75 band, tickets. Yeah, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it kind of sounded to me like they were trying to push us out again, which I don't care. And actually, the more I think about it, I'm happy because I'm glad that the wrecker is really serious about keeping this a high profile venue. Mm-hmm. I'm glad uh, you know, it sucks. I'm glad that that's not, they're not letting it become a venue where everybody's shitty local band plays there now. It sucks that my shitty local band can't play there, <laughs> but I'm glad that in general, that's the profile that they're maintaining because ultimately that's better because now, okay, we might not be able to get a show there immediately three months after it opens, which would be fun, but what would be even more fun is if that theater continues to be a very successful, very prominent venue, at which point when we are ready to get that show, it actually fucking means something. Yeah. So I think in the long run, it's a good thing. But uh, yeah, the main takeaway from that is that it's not not happening. Damn. So, you know. Sorry. But, but, you know, you can always catch me every Tuesday at Perennial. 5 to 8.30, and every Wednesday night at the horse you came in on in Fells Point, 9.30 to close. Um, no minimums there, guys. No minimums there. Uh, and uh, this weekend is a bunch of private shit, and then next weekend is Christmas, and then next weekend after that is New Year's. So honestly, the remainder of December is a hodgepodge of me playing at Perennial on Tuesdays. And the horse on Wednesdays, and then we'll in 2022, we're kicking it back up, baby. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, at oh, Sophomore yeah. MD on everything, check out the song. It's been out for I think about three weeks now. We just capped out over 10,000 listens on the news, um, and still climbing. You know, we just started another campaign uh, yesterday that just like kicked off. So we're seeing some good results from that. Um, and somehow my brother stumbled across a, a list of 3,000 Spotify playlists with their contact information, what genres they are, and everything like that, which honestly changed the fucking game. And so I'm going to start reaching out to them uh, a lot for this uh, promo for this song, but especially in the future, I'm really looking forward to some even better results for stuff like that. But yeah, at Software MD on everything, at Jimmy Seleski on everything. What you got coming up, dude? Um, I don't really think anything for the rest of the year, uh, but just follow me at Eric Glazer on everything. Um, and yeah, 
See you guys next week on at LFTS Podcast <laughs> on everything. Live from the studio, baby. <laughs> Till next week, guys. Peace. Peace.